Attention all you rule breakers, you misfits and troublemakers, all you free spirits and pioneers, all you visionaries and nonconformists. Everything the establishment has told you is wrong with you is actually what's right with you. You see things others don't. You are hardwired to change the world. Hello, my name is Rahasia, and I'm going to be your host this evening. And I also write a column for the Lotus Guide magazine, and you can find pretty much everything that I do by typing in hashtag Rahasia Uncensored. Welcome to the Spiritual Activist Radio Show here on BBS Radio. You might be asking, why spiritual? Well, the way I see it, we are misguided souls looking for the truth of who we are. You might be asking, why activist? Well, because we are living in transformative times when we need to take back our power as spiritual beings and take action in the world, not with violence, but by the evolution of spiritual consciousness and bringing what's going on in the world out into the light. Because like it or not, we are deep into everything from genetic modification to artificial intelligence, and at the same time watching a dysfunctional world collapse right before our very eyes and a global monetary system that is at the end of its run. Its days are coming to a close. So thank you for tuning in for the next hour and I hope you enjoy the show. So today we are going to be interviewing Jack Alice and I first became familiar with Jack with his other book which is Blue Sun Red Sun a story of ancient prophecies unfolding in the modern world. And I have to tell you, Jack, that that whole book was well worth reading to get to the Hopi prophecy. But <laughs> it, I tell you, it it's a little bit scary seeing what we're blindly walking into this prophecy. And the more you know about a prophecy, because it, as you know, it's not set in stone. It's just right. based upon the guy that's doing the prophecy, where he is, where he's been and if we keep heading this way this is where we're going to end up but uh -huh. we can change it if we know what's going on uh -huh. but i'm really curious about your, your next book which is creating the new world in times of the paradigm shift no let me what? just interrupt you there rahasia because sure, that's, that's not my next book that's my dvd oh it's a dvd it's based on the book so they're very similar in terms of uh, content yeah and and the subtitle of that DVD is "What part do we do you play?" And this this I think is really getting into a uh, an important realization that most people aren't aware of. We have been participants very seldom in the world. We usually watch the world as a an observer. We see what's going on in the news. We see what's going on in the war. All of the things we hear about, and and it's us and them were observing it. Almost like we're playing a, a computerized virtual reality game. We're just watching the game unfold. But now we have all been sucked into this game and we're all participants now. And that changes the game. That means what we do affects the game more so than if we're an observer. So with that statement, I, I think I'll just hit the ground and let let you start taking it from there. Well, as far as the part that we play, Rahasia, in my opinion, um, that is something that we either choose to do or we choose not to do. 
we either choose to participate in this process of, of transformation is what I would refer to it as this shift or this, uh, um, this, uh, the, these transformative energies. We either choose to participate in that or we choose to stay dumbed down and just choose to continue to go along with, um, you know, the system. And um, so that's, that's the primary thing. And, and uh, the important thing is that people wake up to this, that they get an awareness of, you know, how this system works. And, and the system is a dependency system. You know, you said we either participate or, or we don't. I would say we either participate or we are dependent. In other words, we are dependent upon what the system gives us and tells us and, and asks us to do or demands that we do um, and those sorts of things. So participation is a choice. And I think people need to know what they're participating in also, because um, they're participating in a couple of things here. Um, one thing they're participating in is they're participating in what I refer to as the paradigm shift. Uh, in other words, and what this means is uh, uh, attempting to create a new world, you know, from the ashes of the old during these times where, you know, of change, where one world is coming down and the other world is uh, creating an opportunity for the other world to be, uh, for, the, for a new world to be, to be reborn. Um, that is the choice, and it's a choice that people need to make. Do I want to participate in this paradigm shift, and do I not want to participate in this paradigm shift? And that sounds a little big for most people, you know, participating in a, in a paradigm shift. Wow, you know, I can see a lot of people saying, no, 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 that's just too big for me. You know, I just want to continue living my life, and I want to be happy, and I want to, you know, be with my family and do, do things that are enjoyable and, 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 all, and all those sorts of things. But when we talk about participating in this, it isn't only participating in this paradigm shift because participating in the paradigm shift is the same thing as us um, participating actively in our own life. And essentially what this means is it means um, rather than uh, choosing to just be dependent upon a world that's been created for us, what this instead means is you know, us making the choice uh, to exit from that world, to let go of that world, which in itself is, is a lot of work. It's, it, it, you know, that's a difficult thing for most people to do because we've been stuck in the system our whole lives and it's controlled the way that we think and the way that we see things and the way that we perceive things uh, uh, and, and everything else. Uh, but this paradigm shift is the equivalent of creating our own world, you know, departing from a world that's dying and making the choice to create our own world and that's where we're no longer maybe hopefully that shrinks everything down a little bit it makes it seem a little bit more doable and a little bit more you know there's something in this for me uh, a kind of thing um, because uh, creating the new world basically is the same thing as us getting involved in our own life and uh, getting involved in our own life for me always means um, getting connected with our spirituality because uh, ultimately and essentially getting connected with our own spirituality, and we can talk what I, about what I mean by that in a second. Um, ultimately, um, that becomes the, the primary thing uh, as a part of creating our, our own world. And uh, so there's a bunch of, diff bunch of different pieces to this here, but uh, um, that just puts a, you know, a slightly different spin on, on, how you, on, how, on what you said. But yeah, uh, participating in the, in the paradigm shift and creating our own world as part of that. Uh, in other words, our own personal growth and our own spiritual development is part of this process. And when we develop that aspect of ourselves, the spiritual aspect of ourselves and the, the totality aspect of ourselves, um, at that point, we are more able to actually participate in creating the new world. That is part of creating the new world. 
we get a whole bunch of people doing that at the same time, um, we'd really be doing something. Okay, and now, I think that's, hey, a key, hey, that's a key to this too, is a, a lot of people doing this. Because right now, just a very tiny, tiny uh, right. minority of us are actually doing these things. And um, we need more of the masses on board here. Okay, um, listen, listening to everything you're saying now, Jack, sort of brings up the thought, <clears throat> as I look out at what's going on out in the world, I can see that, you know, when, when you're dealing with something so subtle as your subtle self, your true essence, it's very difficult because we are so ego-based with thought forms of, you know, you're Jack Alice, I'm Rahasia, I'm a publisher, you write books, you live there, I live here. We, we identify with these ego kinds of constructs and labels. And I can see that the tension of the world becoming a little more challenging, a little more dangerous, is bringing that out in people. And the people that I can see that is going down to that essential level of consciousness where you're less identified with ego constructs, they're having an easier time at this. And it's almost like a, a lesson, like they're in school and they're learning how to see other people themselves. But the other people, notice I say other people, because that is what we do. And, and I see this like with Black Lives Matter. It's morphed into something that it didn't start out to be. And, and I think it's because people start identifying with being black or being white or being brown. You know, I am a black man. I am a white man. I am a Christian. I am this and that. But until like a good example is when I first meet somebody, I very, especially if it's somebody that I've been looking forward to meeting and really getting to know, they can look me right in the eyes and tell me their name. And it usually goes right over my head. And I have to ask them later, you know, I'm sorry, I wasn't because I'm, I'm tuning into something else, a deeper essence of themselves. And sometimes I don't, I don't even ask their name because it, it it ends up not being that important, but usually I, I want to know the person's name. And, and I think until we start meeting people essence to essence, instead of uh, identifying, I, I like when I meet somebody, I, I don't say I, I'm a, a white Caucasian male, my name is Rahasia. I, I don't identify with being white. And, I, and it seems like that's one of the, the big problems right now with everybody, they're, they're self-identifying with race. And that's being fueled and exaggerated through the media. And it's causing a lot of problems unless we can get a hold of it. I agree with you. I, I, agree, I agree with everything you said. Um, um, one little nit, kind of nitpicky little thing I'd like to say is, and this comes from my past as a, you know, I was, in, in a, I was a psychotherapist for years and years. And I've always kind of objected to the concept of, of egoless, because I think there's a real important difference between having a healthy ego and an unhealthy ego. I think we need an ego. I think we need an right. ego in order to survive in this world. I think we need an ego in order to make things happen, to make things happen in the world. Uh, but we don't want our ego to, you know, to get imbalanced or to, or to get unhealthy or to get the better of us in terms of we begin to serve that. Um, in our, uh, as opposed to serving, you know, whatever our, whatever our, our purpose might be. So that's just one kind of little nitpicky psycholo psychological thing, healthy ego versus unhealthy ego. Um, because certainly our ego can, 
can can get the best can get the better of us and then we don't know what the heck is and, and let me just add we, something we, to we what just you get, just get lost in that basically let me just add something to what you just said how i see it like your ego constructs your ego thoughts is like tools that you use out in the world but yeah. you don't want to get identified to a hammer because then you start seeing everything as nails mm -hmm. Well, you don't want to get too rigidly identified with anything, right? You want to have right. be open and you want to have that, that flexibility there. Right. And that's just an important, important aspect of just being a whole, you know, a whole person. Rahasi, can I uh, just talk for a minute about, I, I referred to the, the primary importance. Well, let me back up, back up a little bit first. Uh, can I just kind of go with my thought here? Absolutely. Um, for years and years and years, I always said there's three, three basic parts to my work. Uh, the my books and DVDs. Part number one is uh, the primary importance of our, what I refer to as our indigenous spirituality. And we can talk about what that means in a second. Um, the second part of this, second part of my work that is of primary importance, I know you can't have three things that are primary, but in this case, all three are, are really important. The second thing that is of primary importance is knowing the truth about how the world really works you know, as opposed to the, the brainwashing that is foisted upon us and the, you know, illusions basically that are foisted upon us, uh, you know, by the old paradigm, you know, what I refer to as uh, the matrix. And the other part of my work that is a little bit kind of, uh, kind of sinking down a little bit in terms of the importance that I place upon it, even though I, I still think it's, it's critically important, uh, is understanding the truth about the role that extraterrestrials have played um, on the planet Earth and the role that they are playing, playing currently. So those three things have always been really important. And for me, the thing of the primary importance for me always has been um, developing and enhancing our spirituality. I refer to as our indigenous spirituality. But I'm changing my mind on that. I'm, I'm now beginning to think that the starting point and the most important thing for everybody, we can't even get to that spiritual thing until we first understand how the world really works. We know the truth about how the world really works. Um, that's such a crucial component in all this, a crucial component in all this. And um, I think it would, it would serve our purpose a little bit just to talk about that. Can we talk about you know, how the world really works? And, Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and of course, this is from, from, my, from my point of view. And as you know, I'm a, I'm a conspiracy guy on this. I'm a, I'm a, I was a, a, the, the person who, uh, the, who I followed who uh, really helped me to understand what I'm about to talk about was David Icke. You know, I was a, a very, I was a David Icke disciple about 20 years ago. Um, and I very much continue to see the world the way David, you know, taught me to see it. And essentially what that is, is um, the world does not work the way that we're, that we're told it does, the way we're, you know, brainwashed to, to believe that it does. The world is actually owned and controlled by a very small, tiny group of elite, I refer to them as elite beings, a very small group of elite beings who operate behind the scenes. Uh, they own and control everything. Uh, they own uh, all the multinational, they own all the national banks, you know, which gives them the, 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 uh, the power to create the money that enslaves us. Uh, they own all the multinational corporations, which gives them the power to create the grid that enslaves us, you know, the grid of energy, the grid of technology, the grid of chemicals um, that enslaves us. Um, and they own the, um, um, all the sources of, uh, of information distribution, i.e. The, main, the mainstream media. And with all this ownership, it gives them the incredible power uh, to create a world of illusion that basically uh, entraps people, ensnares people. Um, they get stuck in it. They get, you know, they buy the illusion and, and they live in, in the illusion 
um, and they get you know cut off from you know their their not only the truth about how the world really works, but in the process of getting stuck in this illusion, they also get caught up from themselves, because the illusion tells us, like you said a minute ago, the illusion tells us you're a white black male, you're a white uh, you know you know you're a white male, you're a white black male, or you're a, you're a black male, um, you know whatever the illusion you know tells you that you are, it tells you that it tells many of us that we're helpless. You know, that we really don't have the ability to have, uh, you know, effectual, you know, control in our lives is one, is one of the things that we're told. And um, that's how the world really works. And it's so important for people to know that because without knowing that, um, everything else kind of, uh, there's always just kind of a loose end to everything else. We can have these discussions and we can sit here and we could talk about the importance of developing uh, and, and enhancing our spirituality. But without knowing this other piece, you know, about how the world really works, the whole thing just isn't going to make sense. The whole picture just isn't going to make sense. And for me as a spiritual person, um, for a spiritual person, the way my spirituality works is things must make sense. The world must make sense when you're looking at it, you know, from a spiritual point of view. And if the world doesn't make sense, there's a piece missing. Something's missing. And one of the things that was also alluring and so attractive to me about learning the truth about how the world really works, you know, that I just uh, described to you, uh, is the fact that this allowed me, and it allows all of us to make sense of our world. Suddenly things make sense. And one of the primary things that makes sense is why our world, why the planet Earth is so hopelessly messed up right now. And uh, the system, the illusion, would like us to think it's our fault, that we as human beings are, uh, we're ignorant, uh, we're warlike, uh, you know, we're, we're all these things, um, you know, we don't have the ability to even, you know, manage uh, and control our own world, our own environment. Um, the world would like us to believe those things. But what in fact is true is the world is so messed up um, as a function of a manipulation. You know, our, our natural development as human beings has been tampered with. This is not the way the world works naturally. This is an aberration. Uh, this is something that has been tampered with, you know, by outside forces um, who don't want, the, who don't have any real vested interest in humanity and who don't necessarily want this world to work. You know, they've got a whole other agenda, uh, another agenda of plundering the world and enslaving all of our people and utilizing all of the resources and not giving two figs about about, uh, uh, about you know, working in harmony and stewardship with, with, with you know, our mother earth and with nature. So um, I think it's important to, to get that aspect of this out there. Otherwise, a lot of the rest of it uh, just doesn't make sense. And for me, that piece about how the world really, really works really kind of brings things together. It's saying, okay, now that we've got that piece, we can go on and we can work on, on some of the other ones. Can I just interject here and just put an analogy on what you're saying because it comes to my mind. It's like right now, you and I are little ripples on the surface of this lake. And it's so easy to identify with the ripples. But if we can just for a moment see the depth of our, our essence, the depth of our consciousness, of that deepness of being, it changes everything. We, we're, we become not so offended by people. We've, and like David Icke, I, I've been listening to David Icke on LondonReal.tv and I pretty much agree with everything he's saying, except that I think the virus, there is a reality there. You know, there's something there. 
And, and I think it would behoove all of us to pay attention to that too. But th this truly is a, a matrix. Um, but if we can see each other as infinite beings, infinite consciousness streaming through these biological interpretations of that consciousness, it does, it changes everything, Jack. Just, just listening to you and, and knowing where you're coming from, because I, I know you a little bit, I, I hear a total depth of story that maybe somebody from this other egocentric level might not be getting. And, and that takes, that's lifelong work to get there. That's something everybody needs to be aware of, uh, that these things do take work. You know, a lot of people go to weekend workshops and they're, they're promised by the workshop giver that this is going to change your life and you're going to be a different person in three days. I, it just doesn't work that, that way. I, Rahasya, I've been working on these things for my whole life. I've been working on these things for 50 years. Um, and I'm still working on them. I, I still, we never reach the end. We never have the ultimate answer. Um, there's always more and there's always more to work on. There's always more to develop. And this is a, a work in progress and it's an ongoing, an ongoing work, work in progress. But isn't that one of the things that makes life fun, makes life worth living? What better thing do we have to do in our, with our time in this world? Then work on our consciousness, work on our I, spiritual I don't know how work, people, on the, work on the truth. I mean, I have a good time doing that. I enjoy it. I don't know how people get through a day, Jack, without talking about things like this. And, and even the extraterrestrial aspect of what's going on right now and our history as human beings. Like in an article, I'm writing an article for the next issue. And to sort of stay out of trouble, I'm just posing questions. You know, like when Eric Von Daniken wrote his book, Chariots of the Gods, it was 256 questions. That's all. And I'm finding if you ask, get people to come up with the solutions and answers themselves, the best way to do that is to ask a question. And some of the questions in there are pretty difficult to answer, but we have to try. And I have found that if I just give people answers, it, it just sort of washes over them because of confirmation bias or cognitive dissonance. Different things won't allow their mind to entangle with that particular thought. But if you can get a person to ask themselves a question, that process of answering does something and triggers something mentally and spiritually to connect mind and spirit and body and soul. They might not be able to answer that question for uh, for a year. That might yeah. be part of the process. Uh, yeah. The important thing is that the question is placed, and then the second most important thing is that people are thinking about it, are, are working on it, are considering it. You know, it doesn't go away. And um, I know that a lot of the, the answers that I have that I've finally you know formed, you know, after my you know fifty years of working on these things, they didn't come right away. And it took, it, it's taken years and years and years to develop, you know, my, my system of, of metaphysics. Uh, it's taken years and years and years to develop. So, um, you know, that's, that's part, we're back to the work part of this again, aren't we? You know, that it takes work. Can I make a brief comment on your, um, is the virus real? Is it fake? Because mm -hmm. I know a lot of, a lot of my, uh, the conspiracy people that I still, by the way, Raz, let me just say right, right off the bat, that I really don't know this that much about the COVID-19. I haven't done a lot of research on it, and um, that's kind of a choice that I've made. Um, when I figured out 20 years ago, when I figured out uh, about the conspiracy, when I learned about the conspiracy and saw the truth of the conspiracy and how deep it went, 
um, I made the decision at that time, 20 years ago, that there really wasn't any point in me researching it all day long, going deeper and deeper and deeper in terms of, you know, what all the details were and who's jerking around her, who and who's lying to who and who's, who's murdering who and, and all of it. It just didn't serve any purpose anymore. It was just became a distraction because it's all the same. And even though I haven't done much research on this uh, COVID-19, I feel like I've got a pretty good grip on what's going on here without doing any research. Um, because this is how the global elite operate. They've operated this, this way for thousands of years, you know, creating disasters and then you know, riding into the fray with the solution, which is always the same. It's always uh, um, uh, more power in their hands uh, at the expense of the liberty of the people. And this COVID-19 certainly, um, it has their fingerprints all over it. And I do believe it, it's an engineered um, disaster. The question mark in all this is, you know, what, what is the truth about this virus? You know, is it a real virus? Is it a fake virus? Most of my conspiracy sources are claiming that it's almost totally fake. You know, it's really nothing more than just your average virus. Now, I'm not saying I, I believe in that. I just want to say that, that that idea is out there. And they make, they make very good cases, very good cases for that. But the point I want to make here, whether the virus is real, whether it was fake, whether it's been intentionally released, or whether it just escaped somehow, no way do I think this is a natural process. Um, none of that makes any difference because the situation that currently exists uh, exists whether or not the virus is totally real or whether the virus is totally fake. And that is that the global elite have positioned themselves. They've created the situation in which they've positioned themselves in a position of power in, in which they can uh, attempt to dictate to the people of the world what they must do about this. And then the, uh, you know, the consequences for noncompliance with this are, are probably gonna be pretty, pretty severe in, in terms of, they're not gonna say, oh, you're not gonna take the vaccine, oh, that's fine, we won't bother you anymore. It's probably not, not, gonna, not gonna be like that. And my point here is that um, I don't understand the, uh, the truth about this virus either, but it really doesn't make any difference. And I'm not gonna take any chances. I'm not going to go take any, any, you know, any unnecessary chances as far as exposing myself to what could be, you know, a, a dangerous virus. I'm, I'm open to the possibility that that is, you know, the, the truth here. But my point is, it doesn't matter. Even if the virus is totally fake, it still creates the situation where the Illuminati, the global elite, are in this position of dictating to humanity you know, what's next. Uh, and that's whether it's real or whether it's fake, it doesn't make any difference. So from the point of view of the global elite, they're right where they want to be right here. And, and I have to say, it's a, it's a very brilliant tactic that they've come up with here. It, it really works. I mean, they, they've got the whole world in, in you know, basically still well, in a form of lockdown. Well, like, like, like you're saying, you know, it, it's problem, reaction, solution. The problem can be real or unreal. They have the reaction and now they're coming up with the solution. It's so predictable on what's going on. And I was talking to Max Egan. He's this guy. Will you agree with me about that, Rahasia? About how predict once you understand how the agenda works, that it becomes really predictable in terms yeah. of you know, what's going to happen uh, next. Totally uh, predictable. I, although I, I did predict that something would happen, but I was thinking we were a couple of years away. But now I look back, I, I think I was just hoping we were a couple of years away. But how could a a small handful? I could probably fit most of the people in this room that orchestrated this they're non-elected they're being they're actually the puppets of somebody else up which is even a smaller group of people they have got this total planet to be affected and a good proportion to be locked down self-isolating and in the in the mode of fear 
And that fear is being translated as anger, which you can see out on the streets with Antifa and which that, that would be a story in itself. But as we move into this, if, if we don't wake up to what you're saying right now and break ourselves out of the matrix, the solution is going to be really, really detrimental to the, to the spirit and bodies of this planet. And when I was talking to Max Egan, this came up. Why is it, and I'd like to get your opinion on this, why is it that knowingly, I mean, the Vatican named their telescope Lucifer. Uh, Microsoft, Bill Gates, they're naming their patent 2020-060606. The, the HR bill is HR6666. Why is it? that they're knowingly doing this to know it's going to trigger people. I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of that about the numbers and the numbers of the bills or any of that stuff. Yeah. It's very, it's very in, in, intriguing. Yeah, they're it? embedding 666. And, and when you read, I, I really suggest to the readers, look this up, 2020-060606. Uh -huh. That is a patent that has to do with the what's going to be in the vaccination which is a patch it's not a, a normal chip like we would think it's a liquid patch once it gets into you can't get it out and it all has to do it reads like a science fiction story it all has to do with once it's in you they can through uh, radio frequencies they can actually engage with that and give you jobs to do out in the world. And if you do the jobs, they can trigger a mechanism that will use your body, your mind, your energy as a mining tool for cryptocurrency. And if, if anybody would read this, like on a, a David Icke site or Alex Jones, they go, oh, this has got to be bullshit, you know, conspiracy theory to the max. But this is real patent information. And... The only thing I can think of is if you go deeper into this, I, I really think that there, there are advanced beings, and I use the word advanced loosely, there, there are off-planet beings behind some of this. I think they have to identify themselves uh, in the same way that, I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but Dracula comes to your door. He has to identify himself and you have to invite him in and there's, there's probably some kind of a cosmic rule that if you're doing something like this and it's part of this dark force, you have to identify yourself and the person has to say, okay, I'll take the vaccination knowing that it has the mark of the beast in it. I've been warned. It's like buyer beware. And once you do it, you have no, no ground to stand on. Well, the only problem with that is that they don't feel any kind of obligation or need to follow the cosmic rules. They basically, in doing what they're doing, are breaking every, every you know, cosmic rule of the universe. I very strongly believe in malevolent ETs and, and benevolent uh, ETs. And the benevolent ETs are the ones that follow all the cosmic rules, follow all the spiritual rules, you know, like they did on Star Trek. Remember, they, uh, you know, they had their... Uh, their thing where they were forbidden from interfering with the indigenous affairs of the various planets that they uh, um, that they visited. 
uh, same thing. You know, that's like a cosmic rule, and the benevolent ETs obey it, and the and the um, the malevolent ETs don't obey it. So they're not following any any, any rules here. Um, as far as uh, you know, to get to your question of why they're doing it, obviously one reason why they're doing it is to facilitate this global um, fascist state that they've uh, been working on for thousands and thousands of years, uh, called the New World Order, in which you and me and everybody else—at least the intent—is for you and me and everybody else to be simply reduced to the numbers on our on our uh, on our driver's licenses. And I think the upcoming. Uh, ID number on our on the new global ID, the new global health ID, or whatever they're going to call it. Uh, I think that's when it's going to become the you know, the number one ID uh, that we're going to be reduced to. People of the world are just going to be reduced to a bunch of numbers on n- numbers on cards, um, and that's the ultimate objective is for everybody to be you know locked in place like that and microchipped so that we are basically. Um, we basically become artificial intelligence. We basically become, you know, controlled, you know, from without or from within by whatever this, this, this microchip is. And we become, you know, we become you know, akin, akin to robots. But another part of this, uh, Rahasia, because I've often asked myself the question, we're getting really deep into this too, aren't we? Yeah. Yep, yep. I've often asked myself the question, why don't they just make this easier on themselves? Why do they take, you know, 100,000 years? Why does this take so long? And a part of this, and this gets really kind of nasty as far as uh, admitting this, part of this is I believe that this is kind of a game for them. I like a cat playing with a mouse. And uh, you know they probably could have resolved all of this centuries ago, uh, but I do think that they have a, an agenda that they're following that also follows a lot of esoteric rules and dates and, and, and things like that, You know, things that have been in existence for thousands of years. But um, I also think, I think there's an aspect of this that they just enjoy playing this game with humanity and outwitting humanity and, and seeing if they can uh, bypass the laws of nature. I think part of what they're doing is they're attempting to become gods in their own right. Uh, and they're attempting to usurp the laws of nature. And I think they're attempting to create uh, what I refer to as a uh, synthetic reality. In other words, uh, you know, they'll get rid of everything that's natural, including the people. And the people will be replaced with, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, uh, and all the all of nature will be replaced with uh, some sort of, uh, of uh, you know, uh, a DNA uh, equivalent that they've, you know, made up in a laboratory someplace, and they will have created a synthetic world that will be their creation, and they can go, wow, look at the world we created, you know, we're, we're God, you know, we're just like gods here, and uh, you know, in the process of doing that, they're breaking every, you know, every spiritual law that there ever was. But that's all the the nature of this. This is a you know a battle of between good and evil. You mentioned Lucifer, a battle between good and evil that's been going on for a long, long time. And right now, the stage just happens to be planet Earth. You know, we're we're the stage for the for the playing out of this uh, battle between good and evil. And this is why it's so important. Let me make one one point here in terms of I don't want people again to hear this and to get all overwhelmed by it. Uh, there's really a very, very simple answer to this Rahasia, and it, it is not as complicated as most people make it. If people wake up to the truth about how the world really works and recognize it as evil and they, they don't want to be a part of it anymore, and then make an active effort to begin to let go of that world and, and begin to create their own world, if enough people did that, this world out there, this old paradigm world, it would crumble in a flash. It, the only reason it exists is because the people of 
the planet Earth are supporting it, propping it up, you know, with their support and with their, you know, uh, with their, you know, being brainwashed the way that they are. If enough people, and it doesn't have to be a majority by any means, it could be a small, you know, you know about critical mass. It just takes a small percentage of us. It takes a small percentage of aware beings, you know, to, to, to create massive change. But if enough people could wake up and just let go of the system and stop supporting it, it would go away in a flash. They would, they would, they wouldn't want to play this game here on planet Earth anymore. We wouldn't be any fun to play with anymore. They're too aware. They, 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 they know us too, too thoroughly. They know the truth. You know, they'd have to find some other world to go, to go uh, inhabit. So it's all up to us, and it's not as complicated as sometimes it might, it might seem. Sometimes when we go down this rabbit hole the way that we do, it gets really dark and it gets really ugly, and people go, ah, get me out of here. But it doesn't have to be that complicated. And I think that's a message that you and I need to keep, um, you know, reinforcing with people. You know, this isn't, uh, yes, this is dark and deep and ugly, but it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, as, as awful as, as we tend to make it. Well, you know, when, when I was a kid, I, I was really afraid of the dark. Going into a dark room, I, I was, for some reason, I was terrified. You know, I always looked underneath my bed, things like that. And, and then I click on the light and it took me a few times to realize I wasn't afraid of the dark. I was afraid of what I might see once I turned the light on. And when I turned the light on, there was never anything there. And if there was something <laughs> there, it was not a big deal because I had a light on it. And I, I think that is what we're all up against as spiritual warriors. We have to remember that we are the light peering into this darkness. And as we light it up, I mean, I, I could bring in, if this room was dark, completely dark, and I had a flashlight and I put it in a shoebox and brought it into the room, I could take the top off the shoebox and the light would light up the room. But if I have a, a room that's full of light and I have a shoebox that's full of darkness, I can take the top off. The darkness does not darken the room. It just, it's a non-reality when it comes up against true light. I, I, love, I love the simplicity of that analogy. I'm probably gonna use that. The, the simplicity of simply flicking the switch and turning on the light and the darkness goes away. I like that, Ross. Yeah, that's, I mean, and that basically, it may not be that simple, but it's, it's, it's close to being that simple. Yeah, like we, that. we have to be brave and we have to realize that this biological life is transient. You know, I, I'm going to get into a, a realm now, and, and I guess, God found it, we, we only have like uh, 10 minutes left, but I have to touch on this with you because as a biological being, I have a biasness to biology, but I think some of what we're being guided and pushed into is a silicon-based world, and that would be artificial intelligence and everything else, you know, that comes with that. And it's starting to seep into our lives. I mean, look right now, all of this is silicon-based uh, consciousness and technology. And as we are getting pushed into that, you know, like Elon Musk with Neuralink, he says within one year, he will have the chip ready to embed. And I think they already have it, where it starts connecting with neural links and synapses. And at that point, you can hook up to the internet. Okay, now if you have that chip, <laughs> you're going to be have all of the data of the internet, which is going to make you look like you're pretty intelligent, but it's just data. 
it's just information. It has nothing to do with wisdom or anything else. And as we go down this road into more of a silicon-based reality, it makes me wonder, are there silicon-based extraterrestrial races out there? And are we in a battle? And the battle is silicon-based realities against carbon-based realities. And could this be going on for millennia? Well, that, that sounds real similar to what I refer to as a synthetic reality. You're, you're, you're way beyond me in terms of your, your level, your scientific knowledge here is, is pretty, pretty beyond me, but uh, it sounds similar to my synthetic reality versus, uh, versus real reality. Um, yeah, I think all of those things, Rahasi, I think one of the things that we always need to do as, as people who are seeking the truth is we always need to be open to all the possibilities. And sometimes in, in being open to possibilities, we might even contradict ourselves. Turn, well, a minute ago I said this and a minute ago I said that. Well, I'm just weighing all the possibilities here. I don't know. And certainly everything you said just, just now sounds like a real real distinct, distinct possibility. Um, so yes, um, I, I, I echo that. Could I say one word in finishing? just because I think sure. it's so important about what I mean by indigenous spirituality. I started off at the, at the beginning um, talking about how that always used to be the primary th part of my message was the importance of our indigenous spirituality. And I wanna make sure people know what I mean by that because I'm not preaching some, some particular dogmatic you know, religion here or anything like that. And hopefully the kind of spirituality I'm talking about is ki a kind that we can all embrace, that all of humanity can embrace. It's not, you know, my God against your God. All of humanity can, can embrace this. And I refer to it as indigenous because this is the kind of spirituality that indigenous people of planet Earth uh, practice for thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years, you know, before they were all you know, uh, murdered, uh, basically. So that's where the word indigenous comes from. This is from, you know, the, the native people of planet Earth all had the same systems of spirituality. And the reason they all had the same systems of spirituality because they were all based upon the same thing. They were all based upon uh, their relationship with nature. They were all self-sustaining uh, and they had a very uh, love affair-like relationship with Mother Earth uh, in which Mother Earth took care of them and their part of the deal was they would be a steward or a caretaker of Mother Earth. In other words, they would care, take care of her like a human would, would take care of a, of a mother th th that they loved. And it was a relationship in which energy was exchanged both ways. You know, Mother Earth shares an incredible amount of, of energy with us, you know, every day, it, it, more than we could ever, you know, take in. There are just so many medicines and so many foods, and there's just so much out there that she shares with us, you know, the air, the water, the water, everything else. And I believe that as a function of uh, having this relationship, I believe having this relationship, this intimate, loving relationship with nature and with Mother Earth, and to do it in a way that is sustaining. In other words, you know, that's how we live. You know, we live uh, uh, in a sustainable way. You know, in harmony with nature and harmony with Mother Earth. Um, that's really the one thing that that people could unite around. Who can disagree with that? I mean, I, I'm sure somebody can disagree that people can come up with some pretty crazy ideas, but it's my hope that that's something that everybody can embrace. You know, our love of nature and living in harmony with nature is, and we derive a lot of our spirituality then from our relationship with nature. You know, the, 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 the sun is the divine spirit. The moon is the divine spirit. The air, the water, the soil are all great spirits, you know, that we have intimate relationships with. 
Um, and this is something that we're going to need to return to, you know, if we ever are going to create a new world to replace the old one with, we're going to have to figure out how to do this sustainably in harmony with nature. And I believe in small communities. I, I don't believe we can continue with these huge, massive cities with millions and millions of people. It's, it's just not a sustaining model. It, it's going to die at some point. It's, it's too out of balance with nature, nature and her laws. We're going to have to figure out how to get out of the cities, how to live, you know, uh, in harmony with nature. Uh, and it's all going to come back to that. And that's one of the things I hope that people learn, you know, when they embark upon their quest for uh, 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 higher awareness and developing their, their consciousness and developing their spirituality. I'm hoping that's some, something everybody will learn. You know, the importance of if you're stuck in a city, um, it's at least important for you to try to connect with nature, you know, within that context, you know, go to a park every day and take a walk. Um, take a drive outside the city. And, and uh, it's so important, you know, to, to establish that connection and to keep that connection. If we're just in, encased in cement all the time and, you know, living in, you know, skyscrapers, you know, piled on top of each other, um, you know, that's not a formula for, you know, being in touch with ourselves or being in, in touch with anything really. So um, the importance of this indigenous spirituality and uh, small communities and living in harmony with nature is something that, uh, um, we need to get back to. Yeah, you know, many years ago, I started listening to, his name is Ken Carey. He wrote Starseed Transmissions. Sure, I've, I've read him. Yeah, well, I remember, I think it was chapter nine. It's called Islands of the Future. And he said, as we evolve into this new realm, this sacred emerging reality, when that starts happening, we're going to start realizing exactly what you're just talking about. We have to go back to small communities and in those small communities, they can only grow so much. But the whole idea in that small community is to become conscious, become a conscious light. And the more small communities we can have, eventually that light starts touching, not the communities, not the physical communities, but the light itself. And that will ignite a global consciousness, a global awareness. But the way we do civilization is, is so totally unsustainable that I think you could probably get a fourth grader and say, what do you think would happen if we create a financial money system? Now the money doesn't have anything to do with anything. There's no wealth there. It's all based on debt, but for it to survive, it has to grow infinitely. It has to constantly grow and expand. And we're going to base it on commercialism, people buying and selling, and the commercialism is going to be based on finite resources. I think a nine or 10 year old with just a, a, a couple digit IQ would go, well, I don't think that's going to work over time. But yet here we are, we have created a system based on infinite growth, and based it on a finite resource. And it's going to get tighter and tighter and tighter until it will get impossible and the whole system will collapse. And I think that might be what we're seeing right now because when you look at the world right now, the only thing, the only thing I can see that would really help and it would come with a lot of problems would be a complete global jubilee, complete debt forgiveness, all credit cards, mortgages, uh, all of the debt from country to country, everything needs to be completely zeroed out so we can start fresh again. But uh, I don't know if they're going to do that because that would wipe out 
the elite's wealth for one. Right, right, right. Well, maybe we could usurp their power, you know, in terms of we could bypass the elite. Well, hopefully they've, and even the internet, what we're using right now, this was created by military elites and people we can't even quite grasp. But what they did was they, they sowed in the seeds of their own destruction into the matrix. We're using their creation to communicate right now. And as this communication reverberates up through the matrix into the, the biosphere, the stratosphere, it's all held and contained. And everybody's doing this now. I, I'm watching so many YouTubes of families at home learning to play the, their instruments and singing and they're, they're bursting out into this other realm of consciousness, a new feeling. And it isn't in coherence with the banking system and with the going to nine to five our jobs and the educational system, the pharmaceutical companies, it's not in coherence and it's causing a, a rift. And that rift is slowly breaking people from the matrix and people are waking up and going, you know what? I, I don't know if I really want to go back to work and sit at a desk all day long. Odd, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I just hope, I mean, I, I do. I do. I'm always looking for positive, for positive news. And that was a, a slightly positive slant on, 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 on this whole story. And, and it's good to hear that. And I hope you're right. I hope you're right. Um, I tend to be, uh, lately, I have not been real uh, optimistic about, uh, and I know I'm probably not even supposed to say that. I haven't been real optimistic about how humanity is reacting to all this. I don't, there's gotta be a revolution. Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's just no other way with two things are needed one is people need to wake up and then they need to do something about it. there's there's got to be a, a revolution where people say no i'm not gonna i don't want to be a part of a world that oppresses me anymore there's i want to stop supporting there's it going to, there's either going to be a physical revolution a mental revolution emotional or spiritual revolution it doesn't and have to be. A, it doesn't have to be a physical revolution. I don't think it doesn't I have. I don't to be think so. With I, guns I and bombs. As a matter, I think it would be more effective if it was not with guns and bombs. I think it'd be right. more effective if it was done on a on a mental level, where people just let go and stop and stop supporting. Right. Uh, because I think the props, like I said earlier, I think the props holding this world up are very very flimsy at this point. In spite of the power of the global elite, like you say, they haven't thought about everything. And, and there are some holes, and there are some holes that the truth will set you free. Is, is the biggest hole of all. And if enough people can uh, you know get in touch with the truth, then uh, we'll be headed in the right direction. I think it starts there. I think it starts there. Waking up is the first step. And speaking of getting in touch, uh, again for anybody listening, your website is www jackallis, A-L-L-I-S dot com. And uh, I, I really highly recommend your books and DVD. I remember now that's a DVD. Dara and I have watched that a couple of times at home. It, it's, I, I think if we can keep doing things like this, we, we need to do another interview, Jack. This is too good because- Yeah, I agree. There's too many things on my mind right now. And, and <laughs> each thing I could bring up, it would be a whole interview. So uh -huh. I, I encourage everybody listening to this to keep checking back because we're going to do this again, Jack. Yeah, I, agree. I would love to do it again. I just want to say to you, Rahasya, just keep on doing the great work you're doing. I, I, I applaud you so highly in terms of what you and Dara are doing as far as your work through Lotus Guide and, and all the work that you've done, you know, helping to rebuild uh, um, paradise and, and all that. Kudos to you, my brother. You're doing a fantastic job. 
Well, thank you, Jack. That actually means a lot coming from you. I mean, truly from my heart, man. Thank you. And I mean it. I'm not just saying that. Yeah, <laughs> I know you do. Okay, Jack. Uh, we're going to have to call it quits for today, but thank you so much for joining us. And we're definitely going to do this again. And you take care of yourself. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Hi. I just wanted to add a few uh, last minute words after this interview, a great interview with Jack Alice. And again, that's www.jackalice.com. And um, I also like to remind you too that this is a nonprofit uh, organization here. So if you feel inclined to give any donations, you can go to lotusguide, L-O-T-U-S-G-U-I-D-E.com forward slash campfire. And you can make a tax-free donation there too. So uh, just to throw that in there. I'd like to uh, bring up a few points that we, Jack and I, we sort of touched on. And uh, if we had time, I'd go much deeper into it. But what's happening right now with Black Lives Matter and Antifa, I would just like to add a few words here because Black Lives Matter, even the one of the original founding members of the Black Panthers and people like Candace Owens, the, these are Black people speaking up and by the way, we can call them black people now. We don't have to call them African-Americans because that's become a political thing because they're not all from Africa and it, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, I'm white, they're black. I mean, it, it's they want to be called black now, so I'm not offending anybody. And, and this is the problem. Uh, if you say anything about Antifa, you're a fascist and they're anti-fascist, but they are the most fascist organization on the planet right now and they take directly from the handbook of anti-fascista from uh, the German government and they were also fascist but it's a, a propaganda tool and if you go to their website and look at what their goal is their goal is basically I think it's the 10th one is to basically tear down the American way of life completely dismantle it if you say anything about Black Lives Matter, all of a sudden you're a racist. I mean, how do we get here? Uh, it, thank goodness some black people are waking up and, and speaking out right now because we're headed down a direction where we don't want to end up. If, if you extrapolate this out and, and take it out, we're, it's, we don't want to be there. We, we have to wake up to what's going on right now and stop being afraid of being accused of being a racist or a fascist or a whatever, you know, because this is part of the propaganda machinery and they're doing it really well. This is called social engineering and they have been doing this for a long time. And they, anybody that knows what myself and many other people have talked about for years, we know who they are. They are the elites of the elites, the 0.01%. Uh, at the top of this pyramid, beyond banking settlements, beyond everything that we classify as part of the elitist and part of the um, conspiracy. This goes on up to off-planet beings. And I, I'm going to do another interview with Jack where him and I can really get into this because it's a subject that uh, a lot of people will, their little bullshit meter goes right off. Boop, boop when you mention off-planet beings, even though the Air Force has admitted 
finally to there is something unidentified, some aerial phenomena unidentified flying around in our atmosphere. This is a, a first step towards disclosure, I think, really. And millions and millions of people saying they've seen things in the sky, interactions with people, but it's grouped into a conspiracy theory, which in itself is a CIA term that they invented to discredit people knowing that once you're classified as that, and they've done a good job, boy, I have to admit, they are masters at propaganda. So stay tuned and really look back to this channel. You, you can get this on uh, bbsradio.com forward slash spiritual activist, but I'm also on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash Lotus Guide, L-O-T-U-S-G-U-I-D-E. And I've started a bit shoot uh, channel because they promised not to deplatform people because I'm not going to shut up. I'm going to speak my truth uh, until I simply can't. Um, because if we all aren't speaking our truth, what are we talking about? Um, not speaking the truth and holding back the truth is synonymous with lying, if you ask me. So uh, bitshoot.com forward slash I believe it's Rahasia Uncensored, but you can go there and, and check. And um, I just really appreciate all of you tuning into this and uh, listening to people like Jack, because he's been doing the indigenous research for many, many years. And I encourage you to read his books and uh, check him out more because he actually lives his talk. He is living out in uh, part of a small community and doing whatever it is he can to really exemplify what he talks about. Thank you so much, and um, we'll see you back here again. Thank you.